just as uh, Claire is not, um, says she's not a preacher, uh, I don't claim to be. I, most of my working life I've been a consultant. And consultants have this joy of being all care, give great ideas, great recommendations, and no responsibility to act them out. So that's, that's my life. Uh, however, today hopefully is a little different. Uh, I do have all care, I do have all ideas and thoughts, um, but I also take responsibility for those ideas myself and um, intend to uh, hopefully play them out in my life as well. So, changing world and um, changing uh, and unchanging God and how do we reconcile the two? Well, it's not... Um, just let me get my... Uh, My job entails change. I change, every day I change something in someone's life. It's an unfortunate reality of being in IT. That's what I do. Um, and in, but it involves managing that change to minimise the impact appropriately. What used to happen every couple of years or two or three years now happens every two or three weeks in the life of change. And if you use computers, you'll know that daily. We live in a world that's changing rapidly. We can now run up a petition in the drop of a hat and change.org or something like that, and mostly because our political systems failed, that's now becoming a, a more successful way of trying to introduce change, good or bad. We can change banks, we can change our mortgage, we can change countries, we can change partners at our whim. And amongst that change, and at times chaos, we have a God saying he doesn't change. This morning we're going to spend a little bit of time just looking at how those two seemingly polar opposites can work together and impact how we live. It's probably a good idea to pray first, eh? Let's do that. So Father, as we uh, look at these things today, we look at uh, the upheaval that's in our world, we look at the uncertainty that's in our world as change uh, envelops us and and, uh, consumes so much of us. Uh, we are thankful that you are unchanging. And Father, you've promised and given us many promises in our word that we can still hold on to today that are just as relevant now as they were when you first wrote them. So Father, we pray today that you would uh, guide us, you would um, remind us of what you've told us, and then that you will challenge us as to how that will um, play out in our lives. Father, we thank you that we can trust you with this, in Jesus' name. So, changing world, unchanging God. I'm the Lord and I do not change. It's pretty clear, and there's plenty of other verses, but that one states it probably as best as any. I'm going to read a couple of uh, bits out of Ephesians chapter 1 as well, just to set the scene a little. Um, So, if we have a look there, and... uh, Excuse the font, I thought I had it big enough, but um, that's going to be a little challenging. See how you go. All right. In him that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, 
which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then a little later on in that same chapter, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So that's Paul writing a bit to us here. And as we um, look at those words and think on those words, I've got a few questions that I've put to myself and that uh, we're going to chat about today and see what and how they might apply to us. So what is changing? That's one question. How does change impact us? Does God change? Does unchanging mean irrelevant and boring? What does unchanging God then mean to me or to you? And how will I or you change in this changing world? So we'll attempt to answer those. A couple are easy, a couple we'll see. So what's changing? As you look at the world and look at those slides there, you'll see pretty much everything. It's probably a lot easier to say what's not changing than what is changing. Environmentally, we hear about it every day. There are things changing. Environmentally, there's extreme weather events happening all the time. There's El Nino, there's La Nina, there's volcanoes, there's earthquakes, typhoons, hurricanes, fires, floods. In fact, the media seems to be running out of adjectives to describe them because they're getting worse and worse all the time. Just look at the fires that are going on in California at the moment or things like that. They're horrific, some of what's going on. The temperatures are too hot or they're too cold, warming up, cooling down, those sorts of things. So we're changing. Our world's changing. Nutritionally, eat this, don't eat that. Then again, the next day you can eat it, or you can't. Back again, keeps changing. They say 90% of all the items in the supermarket didn't exist 10 years ago. Think about that. Then we've got diets. We've got the keto diet. We've got the paleo diet. We've got the 700 diet. We've got the 500 diet. We've got the Mediterranean diet. We've got the Daniel diet, the Weight Watchers. Light and easy. Eat what you love. That's my favourite. <laughs> yes. Well, there's plenty. Then there's medicine, there's all sorts of things, not just nutrition, but in the same area that's changed dramatically, we've got alternative medicines. We've got traditional medicines, we've got holistic medicines, we've got simplistic medicines. There's lots of things changing in that area. Great things sometimes, but there's things changing all the time, new things to try, new drugs. Economically, there's market unpredictability, up, down, inside out. There's instant millionaires, there's instant bankruptcies every day. GFC, there's another GFC on the way, everyone keeps saying. We've got a cashless society, closer and closer every day. Hardly ever carry cash now. It's an inconvenience almost to carry cash. 
We've got cryptocurrencies, the new ones. Some of you may have played in them. Good luck. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Chainlink, Litecoin, XPC, EOS, all those things. Go play with them. I advise not to, but they're out there. There's lots changing. Socially. The things that are changing socially. I should have changed that. It would have made it easier. You would have been following. Anyway, keep looking. Things that are changing socially. Dating methods. It used to be that you date a girl, now you Tinder a girl. Things like that. You do those. Political correctness. We've got to constantly think, what are we saying that's right? At work, we're advised every day there's new communiques coming out, how you say something. Gender definitions changing. Politics. People are unhappy with the system. It's not doing what we want. It's not two parties anymore. It's about 20 parties. Jobs. 50% of graduates coming out now are going into jobs that didn't exist when they were born. Hard to work where you're headed. Media. We have media now, we have Twitter storms, we have hashtags, crowdfunding, cybercrime, things that didn't exist that long ago, but now there's billions of dollars being spent on cybercrime. It's changing every day, you've got to keep an eye out. You know the sorts of spam you get. Um, language is changing. We have LOL, we have IMHO, we have DWYW, SMH and JSYK. You can guess what they all are. You give it a shot. <laughs> LOL, laugh out loud. IMHO, in my humble opinion. No, normally they're not mostly humble. Uh, DWYW, do what you want. SMH, shaking my head. JSYK, just so you know. <laughs> See, you've got to keep up. They're changing. There's a new language coming out. The other thing that's changing is CCTV. You are watched everywhere you go, everywhere, everywhere you go. And uh, the, of course that can be good and bad, but CCT is everywhere. And then technology, the other one that's one that I deal with most of the time, is changing all the time. We're going smaller and smaller. We now know more and more about atoms than we knew before, going down to quarks and all the other tiny little things. And then we're going further and further out in the universe. We're now out to about, we can see out about five billion light years out. Can't comprehend, but it's a long way. Larger and larger data, data byte, data, data. We go from bits to bytes to kilobytes, gigabytes, megabytes. Up to now we have yottabytes. And if you don't know what that is, well, neither do I. But it's 10 to the 25th, or roughly. We've got cameras and cell phones changing just about two years is the absolute maximum you now keep a phone, except for some of us who keep them longer, but changing all the time. Connectivity, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, what's next? NBN, all those great things. So connectivity, everything's changing. It's just constant, constant, constant. Information, information and data. Unbelievable what's going on there. So now we have a, there's an engine, a Pratt & Whitney engine, that when it's running and it's collecting data on it, it collects about 10 gigabytes of data every second. All that data is stored and analysed and looked at. 90% of all data that exists today has been created in the last two years. We've got data coming out our ears. Is it helping us? Good question. We send around 15 million texts every second, uh, every minute of the day across the world. 3 million Google searches, 45,000 Uber rides, things that didn't exist that long ago, all these things and we get about 103 million plus spam every minute of the day. 
All that data is stored and it's searchable. You can look it up. Is it useful information? Mostly not. But they look it up, they use it to create this artificial intelligence and stuff. Our world's changing and AI, as they call it, is driving us into a very different direction. Bit of a scary one when you look deep into it. But it's happening, that's change. And then, the final one, there's a whole stack of stuff going on around how to manage change. <laughs> it is, I'm serious. I, I spend most of my days in sessions around change management. Adoption in change management, how to make sure that people are comfortable with the change that we're introducing. So we change and there's different degrees you can get on that. You can get be a training and specialist and methods ad infinitum. So change is all around us. What do we do about it? Well, good question. There's lots of things. We sing about it all the time. Eric Clapton, I can change the world. I'm asking him to change his ways, this Michael Jackson. This ever-changing world which we're living in, live and let die, remember that one? Um, those ever-changing times, for those who are a bit older, earth, wind and fire. Mm -hmm. Everything's changed, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran. Waiting for a change to set us free, Christine Aguilera. Jackie Velasquez in the midst of an ever-changing world. David Bowie, for those who are even older, changes. We sing about it all the time. We write about it. Winston Churchill said, there's nothing wrong with, cha with change if it's in the right direction. Bill Clinton said, the price of doing the same old thing is far higher than the price of change. Stephen Covey, many of you might know him, the key to the ability to change is a changeless sense of who you are. What you are, who you are about and what you value. It's actually quite a good statement, but he has some rather convoluted ways of saying things. Peter Senge says, people don't resist change, they resist being changed. We talk about change in all so many different ways. But our dilemma is that we hate change and love it at the same time. What we really want is for things to remain the same, but get better. Think about it. It's actually what we want. Your success in life, here's the other one, and this is the one I get a lot of at work. Your success in life isn't based on your ability to simply change. It's, and listen to this one carefully, because this is the world we live in. It's based on your ability to change faster than your competition, your customers and your business. It's all about changing faster so you can be ahead of the game. That's what everyone's trying to get you to do, and that's why we're seeing so much change. And we're obsessed by it. That's the other thing that happens. So we sing about it, we write about it, and we're obsessed by it. We all have our opinion, like I said before. We tweet, we post, we snap, we YouTube, we Insta, we WordPress, we Vibe, we Signal, we WhatsApp, all about change. What's happening? What's going on? Where are we at? We always want the latest in clothes, in gadgets, tools, gizmos, apps, cars, car accessories. Might be guilty of that sometimes. Yet we're in this dilemma where by, na by, by nature, as human beings, we don't like to change. Think about it. So referendums. How many referendums do you think we've had in the last 100 years in Australia? We've had about 100. How many of them have been successful? Well, actually nine. How many in the last 45 years? Zero unless you argue the plebiscite was a constitutional change, but it wasn't actually, it was a slightly different thing. 
We don't like change. Constitutions by nature are very hard to change. We as a church know that well, don't we, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> but they are. We don't like the change. We're very cautious about how we do it, yet we're surrounded by it all the time. Robert Menzies said, the truth of the matter is to get to an affirmative vote from the Australian people on a re referendum proposal is one of the labours of Hercules. It's pretty much impossible. War helped. That's where most of our uh, constitutional changes went through. The funniest one that I remember was as a... Um, we were living in Ecuador back in, uh, I don't know, sometime in the late 90s. And um, Ecuador is on the, on the equator, so you don't have daylight saving. You know, it, the sun rises at six in the morning and sets at six in the morning every day of the year. It sets at six at night, rather, every day of the year. So it doesn't change. But they decided they wanted to introduce daylight saving. Uh, <laughs> It's a long story, but I'll try and keep it short. But the, the essence of it was that we were in a power crisis. We were having power out a minimum of eight hours a day, and generally it was for, for a few months it was probably more like we had power for eight hours of the day if we were lucky. So they were trying to introduce some things to help. So they brought in daylight savings. They had it for three months and then they took it away. They tried and tried to convince people that they were not being ripped off from work. They never won that confidence of the people over that this change, all they did was move the clocks, but people thought they were being ripped off. It was a, it just change didn't happen. But, you know, change is not new to our world either. Plato talked about it. Hereticus had some great statements about the only thing that doesn't change is change. David talks about it in the Psalms. The prophets dealt with it on many occasions. The pace has picked up, though. We're desperate to control change. Technology, climate, we're doing all we can, governments. Yet we, refu we refuse to accept the one unchanging person who created it all. We're desperate to know more about the unknown. We go searching out in the universe here and we go searching into the interiors of atoms trying to find things. Yet we don't desire to know more about God who created it and who's revealed himself to us in, in some incredible ways. We don't like change. Doing change is different. We even get uncomfortable in church if the pastor suggests that we're going to do something different this morning. We all go, uh-oh. <laughs> Should have gone another morning. <laughs> no, we don't like it. It's not true. All right. So, in all that, we've got chaos everywhere. Change is just is hurting us in every way. But does God change through all that? I've got to know, and then I've got another bit to talk about. The Bible's pretty clear. God doesn't change. God's plan. God has had a plan from the beginning. In fact, before the beginning. He talks about that in that passage we read in Ephesians. Uh, verse 3 before that says, The plan of salvation was planned before humanity was created. Paul states that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world and our redemption was through Jesus' blood. God has a plan. In all that's going on, God has a plan. Since the sacrifice for human sin was provisioned even before the world was created, it follows that God knew we would transgress and, we were, um, and yet God's mercy had a way around. God's love. God's love is unchanging. 
Hebrews 13 verse 8, uh, sorry, Psalm 136 verse 26 says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His steadfast love endures forever. God's truth is unchanging. Numbers 23 talks about God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfil it? And and again in Samuel he talks about he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he's not a human being that he should change his mind. There's one thing that cannot cannot change and that is God. Man would love to change it, he can't. God is uh, truth. God's truth rather cannot change. And out of that, also, in that chaos and in that change, there's hope. And Hebrews 6, verse 17, talks about that. It says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath or with a promise. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, he promised and it's impossible for God to lie. So that's the truth and the hope that we have. We have a a hope that God has placed um, in us um, from the very beginning. God doesn't change. But there's a maybe, maybe. There's a couple of passages in Scripture that we just need to talk about because there's some words that maybe suggest, and certainly some people say God does change. Let's look at that and then we'll maybe dissect that just a little. So in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, God has some regret. The Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Did God make a mistake? Come back to that. And then uh, in Samuel, And the Lord regretted that he'd made Saul king over Israel. Other one. Then in Amos we have a couple of passages where the Lord relented, the Lord changed his mind. And then in Jonah, we all know that one fairly well, but Jonah chapter three verse ten, when God saw that they did and how that what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented, changed his mind, and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. In Jeremiah, there's a, a bit that ties that together. And in Jeremiah, it says, In the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if, so if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent. I will change my mind concerning the good with which, with which I said I would benefit. So the if is the important part in there. Scripture consistently assures us that God is omniscient. He knows everything. As such, he knew in advance that we were going to sin and to be swayed by Satan to do evil. But um, in Scripture, it also says that that when it uses the word relent, I think it's actually, well, my opinion is it's meaning uh, to change direction. And what I mean by that is there are many examples in the Bible of where God 
is feeling sorrow or for um, is feeling sorrow or is changing direction, so that regret or that relent. But these examples of God changing his mind as in, in, and changing probably in inverted commas are always in response to the failing of human beings. The core, I believe, is in understanding the difference re- between repentance on a human level, so normally that's sinful behaviour to righteous behaviour, and repentance on God's level, changing how he deals with us as a result of our decisions. God created us with a free will. We can make decisions and we live by the consequences of those decisions. So the way I see that is it's when, when things are going, or when God's changing his mind, and changing his mind in quotes, it's actually God responding and offering us what he's already had in place. He's put a plan. He understands how we don't. He's not changing his mind. He is being consistent in his approach to us. That's the most important part. His approach to us, he said, if and then. If you do this, then I will do that. If you do this, then I will do that. He's given us opportunity to change, opportunity, opportunity for us to respond and to bring about... Um, a, a new way of a way in which God is dealing with us. So, does God change? My answer is still no. The maybe is in how our response has been to what God has told us we should be doing, how we should be living our lives. God cannot not punish us, but God has also offered, through His mercy, He's offered us a way that we can respond and change. Does unchanging mean that God is irrelevant? (coughs) Unchanging is not a negative. That's the thing. We seem to, in this world, because it's changing so much and those things I was talking about, you know, we've got to keep up with change. Unchanging is actually the one security that we have in life, an unchanging God. The funny thing is, and I've written this as a statement, I hope I can explain it, but thankfully, God can change his mind because he's unchanging. So God has sent in place those principles of how we can live our life and because of that, he honours that, he can, his mercy is there for us to take through Christ. God's sorrow or regret, as we talked about, at our sin emphasises his unchanging nature. It doesn't diminish it, it emphasises it. His mercy is available to us no matter what. And the other thing is that God is a God who brings about change. God is all about helping us change. God has offered us the way for us, has offered to help us change. And we'll deal with that in a minute. God is as unchanging today and is as relevant today as he's ever been Um, and ever will be. A.W. Tozer in Knowledge of the Holy says, What peace it brings to the Christian's heart to realise that our Heavenly Father never differs from himself. In coming to him at any time we need, and not to wonder whether we shall find him in a receptive mood. He is always receptive to misery and need, to love and faith, 
He does not keep office hours and nor set aside periods when, he won't see, periods when he won't see anyone. Neither does he change his mind about anything. Today, this moment, now, he feels towards his creatures, us, towards babies, towards the sick, towards the fallen, exactly as he did when he sent his only begotten son in the world to die for mankind. That's the beauty of God. He hasn't changed and he never will change. He's had from the very beginning how he will work with us. He's still relevant to Jane today. An unchanging God, and what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? To me, it, it, it means that there's a direction in my life. Weaving my way through the change that's happening, all the things that are happening, some of them are significant, some of them you've just got to take a chill pill and realise it doesn't matter. But it offers direction when we look at what God, uh, look at an unchanging God. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The way that I can find direction is to be sitting and seeking God's word, sitting in there. That's the direction. It's unchanging. The, the, the direction and the ways that it guides are as relevant today as they were um, when they were written. Security. In the world of change, some of us cope well with change, some of us don't. I think most of us are challenged by some sort of change or another. There's things in life that change at an instant that we're not in control of and we don't like. Death, sickness, they're things that we don't like. They bring about change in our families and in our lives that are not great. But the security we're offered is, by, um, is talked about in Philippians. Don't be anxious about anything. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So security. And a future. It offers a future. In the world of change, as things come and go, you think of the things that you, you had a few years ago in your lifetime, things that have been and gone. These will all pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away, says God. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's in 1 John. So a future. Regression or progression may depend on perspective. Change is sometimes seen as progressive. In other times, it's seen as regressive. We want things as the way we were. they were. Many of us think back and think, oh, I wish it was like that. And, now, and then I remember as a kid many of times thinking, boy, I'm so looking forward to when that happens or when I can do that. We want a better future. We're looking for a better future. That comes about by change. So how's it panned out? It's a bit of, sometimes it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? Are we in a better world or in a worse world? Some things, we're in a better world. Many things, we're in a far worse situation. We're seeing where uh, not involving an unchanging God is taking us. But one thing hasn't changed. God's plan. It's still in place, still playing out, 
and we're still an active and vital part in that. So, that being the play, case, how will I change in this changing world? We can unequivocally state that God is unchanging, yet we're in a world that is constantly, constantly changing. The world says, change before you have to. Jack Welsh was the CEO of General Electric, large organisation. He was there for 20 years. The organisation increased in value by about 4,000% during his time. He retired with a $417 million bonus. Awesome. Not bad, eh? But he said, change before you have to. GE, they're not quite what they used to be. But that's what the world says how to do it. What does God say? God says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So what do I choose? I choose to change those habits or behaviours that don't conform to God's way. I choose to be a change agent, a change champion or a change ambassador. They're the trendy words in change management. You'll hear about them plenty of times when you do it. <coughs> but speak out is the most important one, and this one's probably challenged me the most, is speak out more about the change that we see that is wrong. There's plenty. We can sit by and let it happen, and you know what? It will happen. But we can speak out. That's our job is to speak out a bit more about those things that are happening. And those, the, the change and the way that we do that change is in Christ. It's not in our strength. Change is inevitable. Change is difficult and often very painful. The world says... Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. That's from a 13th century poet. He, was, um, he had some, quite some good things to say. It's not all bad what's said there, but the trend of today is very much around self-help. The funny thing is you can read so many books about self-help. It's a bit weird that it's self-help written by others. <laughs> Don't get that. Anyway... <laughs> work on that. <laughs> what we need to do is ask God to change me. What does God say? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David, as one of his lowest points, worked on what and figured out what was the right way to go. And then going again to that thing of casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. For you. The anxieties of change, the things that drive us and keep us constantly on edge. Remember to take those, put them in perspective, put them in God's perspective more importantly, and then um, that will be the way forward. And to show me, um, and, and this is the challenge out of this, is to show me what needs to be cleaned up in my life. What's the creating in a heart creating a new heart or a clean heart in me mean and help me to deal appropriately with the changes in the world. If I look at the changes in the world, it's concerning for my kids, for my grandkids, the things that they're going to have to look at. I can sit here and worry about them, 
and rightly so, because some of them are terrible. But I've somehow got to put them in perspective. I can do what I can do to change, but I've got to be able to cast them in front of God and say, well, how God, how, what can I do that will help my grandchildren's future, remembering that God's the one that's actually in charge, and that plan will not change for them either. That plan's fixed and solid for them. And then, just remembering again, our world is changing, our God is unchanging. We're safe, we're secure, and we have a good and planned future in Christ. And that's what we need to remember. Let's pray. Father, we've heard words, we've heard um, what you want to say to us. We ask that you would continue to remind us in this world that's topsy-turvy to um, keep ourselves and our lives focused on you, on what you have to say to us. Father, that we keep buried and digging and digging into your word, looking for what you are wanting to do in us, how you are wanting to change us. Um, Father, that's the most important things we should be focusing on and we ask that um, we are willing and eager to change in the way that you want us to. Keep us mindful um, of Satan's ways and the change that he's introducing to dilute, to confuse and um, to uh, destroy um, the world that we live in. Father, we thank you that we are secure and safe in the knowledge of a plan that has been in place since time began and the incredible mercy that you have for us as people who are wayward, who make so many wrong decisions, yet you love us enough to offer us a way without changing who you are, uh, to be loved by you and to be in a relationship with you forever. Father, we thank you for that and we thank you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.